Hey guys, welcome to episode 5 of Pop Collaborate and Listen. Uh, I'm your host Dave Fensom, just here with a quick introduction to say uh, thank you so much for everyone who's been downloading the podcast and listening to it. You put us in the top 10 for UK music podcasts consistently all last week. To say that we are a little bit surprised and overwhelmed is a massive understatement. Um, I don't know who you people are, but we love you. Um, please you know, get in touch with us via our various social medias. We're at PCL Podcast on Twitter, PCL Podcast on Instagram, PCL Music Podcast at gmail.com is the email if you want to get hold of us. And also, just to let you know, I don't think we've mentioned this much, but we do run Spotify playlists that come along to go with every single episode. So basically, any song that we mention within the podcast will be on the playlist. So if you hear something, you hear a snippet of it, you want to hear it in full, you want to listen to the whole album, just go to our Spotify uh, site, follow us, and all of the podcasts are there so you can listen along if you want to. I mean, in some cases, I don't think I'd recommend it. Today's album is Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, you can hear what we've got to say on this. Make your own minds up. Uh, This podcast is brought to you, as ever, by On The Edge Comedy, Brighton's best new material night happening on the first and third Fridays of every month. Uh, at the Carolina Brunswick pub uh, we've just had a fantastic 1st of March episode with uh, Esther Benito absolutely smashed it moving forward now to the 15th we've got Sarah Isles headlining we're really looking forward to having her there um, you can buy tickets on We Got Tickets or uh, on Eventbrite so do come along and check it out if you're in the Brighton area or even if you're down for the weekend what's been going on in my life uh, not much really I've been busy running gigs doing gigs living life being incredibly handsome and lying uh, those are the things I've been doing Krista beat me at bowling twice last week that was uh, I mean I, I would say embarrassing but I, I'm he's much better at bowling than me but I did batter him at pool so that's uh, that's fine uh, this is really just an excuse for me to put some of my petty rivalries uh, on track but anyway guys do get in contact with us let us know what you're listening to let us know what you're making of the podcast uh, let us know if you agree or disagree with any of our hot takes and we will be back to you next week with another episode hope you enjoy this one cheers <laughs> Welcome to episode 5 of the Pop Collaborate and Listen podcast, the podcast where we listen to every single number one album of the 90s and tell you what we think about them because there's not enough in our lives to keep us busy. Um, my name is Dave Fenson. I'm Christian Greer. Uh, and we are here today with, our, as I say, our fifth episode. Number one record this week, Christian. What was it? We were following on from last week when it was a best of. Last week was the best of Bowie, changes Bowie. This week is actually another best of. So it's not it's not a bit of a mishmash podcast that we're gonna to do today. This week, the seventh of April nineteen ninety, the Carpenters, only yesterday, uh, their greatest hits, went to number one in the UK. Okay. So it's since been re released, hasn't it, as the great their greatest hits. Yeah, I mean there are so many different versions of greatest hits for different territories, for different labels, all this yeah. sort of stuff. Uh this this has been repackaged a couple of times, uh, with very, very minor tweaks. 
it, you're still getting the popular same songs no matter which best of you get lovely if you're new to the podcast um, basically we have a policy that if, if it's a greatest hits record we don't do a full review um, what we'll do is we'll have a, a brief chat about the Carpenters what they mean to you if anything yeah, indeed um, yeah so uh, yeah I mean okay so what's your what's your take Chris? Um, I must admit right because I only knew the really big hits yeah. before even we, before we contemplated doing anything on this I could have named you probably three Carpenters songs mm-hmm. um uh, I knew uh, they longed to be close to you. Yeah. And I first heard that in Parenthood when mm-hmm. Rick Moranis sang it in that. I, I knew um, Top of the World. Um, and I knew uh, the other one, oh, Calling Occupants of Interplanetary Craft. Their yeah. insane song about aliens. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, so, funnily enough, I mean, I, I mean, I know some of these songs through Parenthood as well, but mainly in that my mum likes them. <laughs> I see. Yeah. All right, yeah, okay. Yeah, like my mum was big into the Carpenters. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of, the, you know, there, there wasn't loads of music in my house really, like, growing up, but, was, but my mum had a few things that she particularly liked. Particularly liked uh, Carpenters, particularly liked uh, Simon and Garfunkel. So, yeah, I mean, I, okay. so, I mean I, I've got memories of most. I listened to it and went, okay, I know most of these songs uh, in one shape or form. Totally honest with you, I mean, I appreciate the craft. Mm-hmm. It's not really for me. I'm not that bothered. Fair enough. I actually really enjoy it. I, yeah. I listened to it uh, this morning all the way through and enjoyed loads of the songs. Really did. I, I guess I, I have a soft spot for that very, uh, not chintzy, but the, the very smooth M.O.R. sound. Again, my not my mum, she was more of uh, into The Cure and The Police and that sort yeah. of thing. But my aunt was well into stuff ABBA Billy Joel Elton John that's, and the Carpenters would have been in there Yeah, and so I grew up with some of it and I must admit I really enjoyed a lot of the stuff on here fair enough I mean I I, I don't see myself going back to it particularly yeah. um, I, you know I don't see myself putting any Carpenters songs on compilations nah. anytime soon really nah. No, I mean I appreciate for what it was I don't find it I don't find it offensive but uh, it's not really for me I don't think no not, I, and you know, if someone had said to me, "Do you think Dave's going to like the Carpenters?" I would have said, "Probably not." Yeah, no, yeah. it's not. It's not your kind of thing. I, I knew obviously that like the, the big one, um, they don't want to be close to you. The Burt Bacharach song. Mm. I think it's a brilliant song, and I think that they do a really good version of it. They do the definitive version of it. Yeah. Um, I think Karen Carpenter has a fantastic voice. I think that's a big thing in the the, sure. the, the, the listening through that. I think her voice is brilliant. Obviously, the production is insanely radio friendly FM radio friendly it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. designed to hurt nobody's eardrums and never will mm-hmm. but I'm okay with that for what it is I really am yeah I mean yeah I, I, you know stay classy the carpenters I guess well <laughs> as much as you can um, the, the, the thing that I thought about whenever I was going through these as well is it's a, I think it's obviously a very 70s thing or it was back then it wasn't such a big deal that they didn't write these hits mm. you know they, some of them are, are their own or the co-written but so many of them are other people's songs that they just did and they did in their own way and had a massive hit with it it's back if you think of the whole Carol King stuff um, the Motown thing other people are the songwriters yeah. and they get in someone who can play and sing I mean that's a, that's a pop tradition to this day well, totally but it's you're, you're, I think you're much more looked down upon these days if that's the case Even, you know obviously pop is today's pop is a very different beast um, you think of uh, even Beyonce and she's got a million songwriters Yeah. but I think back in the day no one even thought about that 
No, 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 no. no, absolutely. I mean, I, I guess, you know, I mean, I, I suppose, you know, I mean, you've got Aerosmith, haven't you, that using songwriters? Yeah, yeah, yeah Warren. Got, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of ghostwriting goes on within pop anyway. Totally, totally. But I think it was just so accepted um, in, in this sort of arena back then that, okay, it's not yours, you didn't necessarily write it, but you this is now your song. Hmm. And I mean, there was a load of ones I didn't know on here. Fair enough, because I've never listened to the best of Carpenters before, and why would I? But uh, there's ones like my favourite one is one track called Solitaire. It's a Neil Sedaka song, turns out. Okay. Which makes a lot of sense. Neil Sedaka has a lot in common, I'd say, with the Carpenters because oh, yeah. they're both that family friendly, yeah. radio friendly thing. Everyone's everyone's eyeing their flares. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, there's, there's some hair you wouldn't wish on a dog. Never. Oh, God. No, that's true. Uh, the other thing I noticed about the songwriters uh, is a guy who wrote the ones that were kind of Carpenters songs rather than big covers. Guy called John Bettis, mm. who was in Spectrum, which was the pre Carpenters Carpenters. It was uh, Karen Carpenter, Richard Carpenter, and this guy John Bettis, right? So they they were a unit, and then Bettis co-wrote a load of stuff with Richard Carpenter that the Carpenters did. He is also he's a big songwriter. Turns out he's done loads of stuff. He has co-written songs, for example, Madonna, Crazy for You. Oh, not for example, not the- <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, no, no, not for. Uh, the, the terrible rapper. Uh, um, I don't mind, for example. Really? But yeah, no. yeah, I've got a soft spot, for example. But, um, but yeah, Madonna, Crazy For You, that's one of his. Fucking ass, one of the best Madonna songs. Yeah, and, and I think he's more uh, on the lyric side than the music. Um, right. Because uh, he also co-wrote Michael Jackson's Human Nature. Oh, that's a brilliant Michael Jackson song. It is brilliant. Well, but you know, it, the melody is pretty much written, as far as I know, by Steve Porcaro from Toto. Right, uh, but the lyrics were done by this guy, John Bettis, and the, and also in terms of that, Karen Carpenter once uh, the Carpenters were kind of on the way out, yep. wanted to do a solo record, yeah, and the uh, the record label they got in this guy Rob Temperton, who right. was in the band Heatwave, the disco band, uh, but was also a big songwriter and arranger. So they got him in to do uh, to help out with the writing and arranging, yeah. In the end, the album was scrapped because apparently it was just shite. It, yeah, it, it was well. awful. They, they were going down this disco road with Calvin Carpenter and it turned out terrible. But she made the decision not to record two songs that Temperton offered to her. Those two songs were Off the Wall and Rock With You. Fucking hell. Yeah. Which he then offered to Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> what did Michael Jackson do? Oh, um, I've never heard of him since, to be honest. Fair enough. Mate. Yeah. Fair enough. I like the fact there's obviously quality songwriting going on as well as the the covers, I did like quite a lot of these, I did, and, and I was thinking that a couple of these ones, solitaire and one called the masquerade, I would put in some sort of playlist. If I just mm. had a background playlist, I would put them on. Those two as well, they're probably two of the more downbeat, kind of sad and miserable ones. Uh, so they're not that cheery love song stuff. 
but I think they're really good fair enough as we go through this mm-hmm. we should maybe set up alternative playlists <laughs> yeah. The yeah Dave versus Kristen playlists. yeah true <laughs> It'll definitely be uh, two different personality playlists. Yeah, I'm. I'm so, I feel like I should have more to add to it, but uh, I, I, I don't really. No, add but to that's it. the thing. If not, I, I enjoy listening to it. So I did a wee bit of digging, and it, got, it's, got, it's, you know. it's certainly made me feel quite nostalgic. It certainly puts yeah. me in a certain mind at a certain time. You know, fair enough. But didn't have to make any of my own decisions. People bought me pants. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like my parents. Yeah, married actually, life. Yeah, yeah, not like strangers. You know? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, funnily enough, my mum still buys my pants because I asked for them for Christmas. That's pretty much what mums are for, as well. Isn't it? Like 42, mate. 42, <laughs> yeah. my mum still buys my pants for yeah. me. Marks and Spencers, mate. Yeah. But that aside, yep. partners aside, uh, what we're going to concentrate on for this podcast is, like I said, the partners was number one for seven weeks in the UK. It was a huge, yep. huge hit. But bang in the middle for one week, mm-hmm. uh, Fleetwood Mac came to say hi. Wow! With their Behind the Mask album. Oh wow! Okay, behind. Now I've got to say, mm-hmm. do you like me some Fleetwood Mac? Love Fleetwood Mac. In fact, who, who doesn't have you know at least five or six songs? They go, those are brilliant. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I mean more than that for me. I mean, I you know I you know I really 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 love. Uh, you know, rumours obviously, which is a you know, it's a, uh, controversially like rumours. <laughs> yeah. But I also have a really soft spot for the album that came out before this, uh, Tango in the Night. Right, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was. Yeah, it was. You know, that's got uh, everywhere on it. It's got kind of big love. It's, it was their big comeback record. Yes, yes, it was. Uh, kind of gotten back touring, um, and so obviously, I think as we come into this record expectations are pretty high for it which is probably why it comes you know comes in debuts at number one yeah absolutely uh they like you say they did a big tour of uh tango in the night mm-hmm. that huge worldwide tour absolutely and massive they're, they're you know, they, they were back on top of their game yeah i mean you know one thing you can say about fleetwood mac is that they always manage to get on with each other <laughs> very little internal conflict in that band uh i mean Friends yeah. forever. Friends forever, yeah. Like a very laid-back relationship. So obviously <laughs> it was completely the same personnel going into this record, wasn't it? Funny you should say that. Right? <laughs> it certainly was not, no. no. Who, who did they kick out this time? Who so, left this time? Well, Lindsay Buckingham left. Yes. Yeah, one of the founder members, well, one of the very early members left, uh-huh. and he was one of the big songwriters of the band. And yep. also, one of the, he, he was really into the production. He was uh, very precise with every bit of their sound. Yeah. So he left. Uh, in fact, he didn't even do the Tango in the Night tour. Um, he didn't want to tour anymore. He wrote the album, helped them out with the recording, but then said he wasn't going to do that. Yeah, okay. I mean, and obviously subsequently he would rejoin the band and then get kicked out again. Um, yeah. Was that? I give up, basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah. So, I mean, so yeah, this is it. So the album's called uh, Behind the Mask. Uh, start as we always do by having a little look at the album cover. Yes. Now, this is a Grammy-nominated album cover. What the fuck? Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, for a start, I didn't know they had a Grammy for album covers. No. That's it, insane. Was it conce- a conceptual design? It's, it's some bullshit. Some, yeah. I mean, I mean, who gives a fuck about a Grammy, as someone once said? Quite. Well, and this is the thing. There are, whatever, like 200 categories, so it's not exactly a special deal yeah. to be nominated. Sure. But how is this nominated? I mean, it's terrible. It's, there's, it's not, oh my God, that's the worst thing I've ever seen. But you look at it and you go, well, that's something there. Well, yeah. in which cat? I mean, I you know, I don't want to blow the load, but we'll, we'll come back to that as a reference because mm. yeah, you're absolutely right. It is 
technically sufficient. The concept behind it is not laudable, uh, but it is very much a case of this idea will do. Yeah. Um, so what, what you got the uh, the artist, the guy who took the photo, his name I should have written down but didn't. Um, he didn't want the band to be on the album, so he, the the photo is supposed to be a spiritual representation of the band. Mate, it's a it's a bunch of people sitting on haystacks. There's someone doing a dance which is racially insensitive, mm. um, and uh, you know, uh, it just looks like they're about to play a load of music that I don't want to hear. Old timey music. Yeah, it's bizarre because, it, like you say, it was supposed to be a representation of the band. Yeah. If someone said to me draw something to represent Fleetwood Mac I wouldn't have a load of strange fucking hillbillies on a dirt road in America no. someone playing a banjo and this woman looking forlornly into the distance no, but then when you actually because then when you get into the inside of the album cover you get some quite spectacular photographs of what these guys were looking like in the 90s Jesus oh. Christ there's some haircuts in that oh, oh my it's incredible they're, they're, it, I watched a couple of the videos as well that they've done and the style is just shit oh yeah it's awful yeah. Yeah, it's, it's of its time it's the 90s but yeah. well indeed yes if you look back at any band who was well any band of their era who were still going at that time they had put on the big shoulder this is, I tell you though five episodes in isn't the most used expression in this podcast it was of its time <laughs> yeah, you have to forgive some stuff because it was you know 30 years ago yeah I mean it sounds dangerously like the defence operation you treat isn't it <laughs> and yeah let's face facts Mick Fleetwood isn't anyway mm, quite uh, but yes so the, the album cover is a bad start mm-hmm. I'd say I say there's it's a, a very strange decision to have that, especially and again I'll come back to this off a, the back of a massive selling album. It's not like they're poor or they uh, don't care or whatever. They've got an image to uphold. They're a massive, massive worldwide band. The record company, presumably as well, is pushing for a great image, and then they just put this thing on. It's bizarre. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm looking through the CD and then. You know, this, this is a this is a big fold out kind of like a sixteen page booklet. Oh God, yeah. a lot of money has been spent on this record, mostly on drugs, I'd imagine. Well, I don't know. Were they that druggy at this point? Do you reckon? I don't think they were ever not druggy. Oh, I reckon. I I don't know. I mean, this, I don't know. This doesn't feel like a record um, fueled by drugs. No, okay, it's, it's not exactly rock and roll and debauchery. This beast. Anyway, let, mm. let's not let's not talk too much. Right. Let's, okay. Let's. The, the the best thing for us to do, I think, is just to crack straight into this with the first track, which is called first track. Right. First call is called "Sky's the Limit." Yep. And I don't know about you. Are you as annoyed as I am about the grammar? Oh yes. Yeah. Why? Because they've spelled skies, S K I E S. Yep. The limit. Mm-hmm. So it's just a plural. Skies, the limit. Not the sky is the limit. Yep. I don't understand why they've done that. Well, it's because they're idiots. Um, yeah, fair enough. All right, yeah, so Sky's Limit, this was a single, but only in America. This wasn't a single over here in the UK, but it did get them some radio play in the States. So yep. it, was, it was pushed as, you know, uh, a bit of a, a promotion for the album. But here we go, Sky's the Limit. Doctor's waiting room. 
But this is very MOR. I mean, it, look. There's the chorus. You, you know what this sounds like? This is the theme tune for a daytime soap opera. Oh, that is good, yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. This is exactly what this is. And, yeah, Sky's the Limit would be the title as well. Yeah, there are, there are people whose, uh, whose names you've never heard of, never want to hear of again. They're turning towards camera. They're smiling. <laughs> and the sky's the limit, right? God. I mean, the last two podcasts we've done, which were... Um, uh, Sinead O'Connor and Depeche Mode we've spent a lot of time on the lyrics yes uh, and we are not going to today they are so mediocre I mean th- this song is just utterly banal it's like you know it's uh, the sky's the limit for our relationship is it alright okay great right, great there are so many subpar lyrics on this album uh, you know so many of them are just about Love with a capital L, with no uh, specific specificity, um, no, you know, nothing to grind it at all. Just about oh, you know, love isn't love good, and yeah, just g- general bullshit. Yeah, there's no perspective in this song at all. This is not someone singing about something. This is someone going, oh, this song, this melody needs some words. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's proficient and it's dull. It absolutely is. Um, I. I from watching the video the video is full of uh, live performance mm-hmm. clips and and again the style that they're, the fashions they're wearing are shit awful they really are but it's just you know blokes in a massive pink shirt wanking off with guitars mm-hmm. and Christine McVie looking like she is very serious about something yeah but it, it, I couldn't care less it's kind of it, it feels like kind of subpar ABBA 10 years too late and without a sense of humour yeah, oh, it's very poor-faced. Oh, God, it's, this whole record is so poor-faced. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 it, it, to me, it sounds like the production, it sounds like Wilson Phillips, that late 80s uh, bland harmonies. I mean, don't, get me, don't get me wrong. fucking day. Hey, they've got an amazing tune. Don't fucking start on Wilson Phillips. They've got one well, This is tune. over. <laughs> but it sounds like that, that production is that... Late, there's nothing 90s about this to me this is still stuck in the late 80s yeah very much obviously that's when it was recorded but there's no forward progression at all no this is this a lot of very kind of 80s soundtrack kind of yeah. vibes to it yeah, yeah, yeah. but anyway let's not dwell anymore on Sky's the Limit let's okay. move on to track number 2 Love is Dangerous Love is Dangerous what another fucking ridiculous title Love is Dangerous here we go yep Bit of white boy glues? Yeah. I'll say an 80 soundtrack. This is, this is. Yeah, you're in an 80s action film, you've just gone into a rough bar, mm-hmm. there's a band playing in the corner <laughs> right this is that band this is what they're singing you cut to them for a couple of minutes it's probably someone from Fleetwood Mac wearing sunglasses indoors it's a it's a, a cool cameo right yeah uh, you know terrible it, hair yeah it's like Roadhouse or one of those sure. movies right yeah. that's what this sounds is um, literally from the first vocal you hear in there you know exactly what the whole song does mm-hmm. it's yeah you know well, yeah, verse but, chorus verse chorus yeah I mean, and you say the the 80s soundtrack thing, 
This is the first song on the album where we have uh, one of the. There's two new guys came in. Lindy, Lindsay Buckingham uh, left. Yeah. They got two new guitarists in to uh, replace him. Yeah. Um, the, the two guys had played with them on the Tango of the Night tour. They'd done the live stuff, mm-hmm. and then they joined the band full time for this album. So this guy, the, the he, one of the co-writers of this one, is a guy called Rick Vito. Yeah. And and it's the first time we'll we'll hear his influence which sounds very country to me it's that you know kind of yeah. Garth Brooksy stuff but he was in Bob Seger's band mm-hmm. and it occurs to me Bob Seger uh, had that song um, Old Time Rock and Roll yeah. in um, Risky Business nice yeah so is that sort of a sound that he's brought in very much yeah yeah very very much so these two sounds sounding very different totally incongruous to each other yes definitely you, if you didn't recognise some of the the singers voices you wouldn't know these were the same band really would you no not at all not at all um, that's what's going to happen when you've now got four different songwriters mm-hmm. in a band each with their own ideas two you know uh, Stevie Nicks and Christine McVeigh have been in you know forever and they've got their own ideas of whatever they want to do but then you've got these two new young blood who obviously want to put their stamp on it mm-hmm. and they're pulling in a different direction. Yeah. Another thing about this one, this reminded me uh, of a Huey Lewis and the News song. Okay. Right? Um, and I'm just, you've probably heard this one. You know Huey Lewis and the News were uh, supposed to... They were asked to write the soundtrack for Ghostbusters. Yeah. They didn't have time because they were doing Back to the Future. Yeah. So, so Ray Parker Jr. did Ghostbusters and then later got sued completely... Because he ripped off a Huey Lewis and the News song. Yes, indeed. I think that this Fleetwood Mac one sounds like that Huey Lewis one, right? So I said, let's just do another quick uh, recap of Love is Dangerous. All right, so that's Fleetwood Mac. The Huey Lewis song is called I Want a New Drug. And it sounds like this. I mean, obviously, it's just Ghostbusters. Yeah. But it has the same feel to it. Yeah, I mean, yes. It's, I mean, it's, it's got the same feel to it, for sure. But, I mean, it's got the same feel to it as anything in that kind of blues rock stomp. Maybe so. Uh, it, it, it sounds... But to me, the Fleetwood Mac sounds like it should be made in 1984. It sounds dated. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, without a doubt, you know. Yeah. You know, it, you know, like you could hear a Steve Winwood song probably from, like, yeah. mid-'80s that sounds like that. You could probably hear... Uh, you know, like a an Azizi top song from the eighties with, yeah. with a you know sure. of, with much better vocals, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, all right, fair enough. That, that's, yeah, uh, it's, was... it's, it's in that it's in that camp. White white mm. men that love guitars. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and the lyrics this are shit as well. Yeah, it's, it's another one where Stevie Nicks is phoning it in. She's only really doing backing vocals. I'd say on this, it's that this new guy is doing the bulk of the vocals and. The lyrics are terrible. It's all cheesy shit. Yep, yeah, awful. Yeah. But yeah, okay, next one, moving on. So the next one is called In the Back of My Mind. Yes, it is. And this was a single in the UK. This was the second what? single. Exactly. The, Dave the, and I are looking at each other going, what? Because we've listened to this today. You've probably never heard this song in your I mean, life. Uh, if, I mean, I... Uh... I recommend that whenever we do this, you have a listen to the records. Right? Mm. But in this case... You really do need to go and listen to this record because this is bizarre. Yeah, exactly. Out of all the ones that you would have cho- chosen, I don't get this choice. I, w- I well, actually tell you what, we'll just play a bit of it 
But we can't really play too much of the intro because the intro goes on for two and a half minutes. Oh, yeah, this is a seven-minute song. Seven-minute song, and the intro is kind of just people talking and weird noises for two and a half minutes. It goes like this. Yeah, exactly. That, that drum in the background. But there's kind of a squirrely noise. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, it's like a kind of dystopian, atmospheric sci-fi soundtrack. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of. In fact, there's there's quite a bit of it in terms of the way that the kind of the beat goes. They're quite reminiscent of the Terminator theme. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. Okay. So and that's you know that's great in and of itself. But why the fuck is it on this record? I mean, it's a bold choice. Yeah. I mean, you, you were talking about drug field earlier. This is the one where I would say this is. Mm-hmm. I, I think I detect There's some cocaine. Going on. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, did, I noticed there in terms of uh, what Fleetwood is doing. Because I think Fleetwood is doing some of the the speaking at the start. I'd imagine it sounds like oh, it sounds like him. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's down as Mick Fleetwood on drums, finger cymbals, tambourine, gong. Talking drum and spoken word. Yeah, you know that's how, how pretentious he's going there. He's, he's actually labelled himself as doing all of that. Of course he has, mate. Of course he has. Yeah, but it still doesn't erase the. Uh, it's bizarre. The nineteen eighty six uh, Smash Hits Awards or whatever it was. No, it was <laughs> eighty eight. Eighty eight Brits was it? <laughs> Brits, that's the one. Yeah, Samantha so, Fox. So he, he peaked at that very point. That was wonderful. If, you, if, if you're young and you've never seen that, it's, it's all available on YouTube. Oh, sure. Yes, yeah. uh, the one of the most excruciating evenings of music television has ever existed. Yeah. Um, well, right, I'll so, tell you what, though, that song. Yeah, I really like that song. I genuinely really do. I uh, see. Like, I quite like it as well. I've written. I quite like this. Right. Yeah. Um, I think more than anything, I like it. Just if we get to about two minutes, when the like the really heroic guitar lick comes in, come on, the beat starts up. It's quite nice. Isn't it? There you go. It's beautiful. I mean, yeah. Admittedly, you know, admittedly, it's a bit uh, the chain. Oh, or, or, no, yeah. or a bit Layla, sorry. Oh, yeah, definitely that. But it's a breakup song. It's quite a good breakup song as well, isn't it? It's like a you always in the back of my mind. She, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can't. One day I'll forget you and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I think musically, it's my favourite tune on here. Maybe because it's just a bit weirder than the rest. The rest is very straightforward. But, I, but the, the chorus is actually pretty cool, I think. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if it needs seven minutes. No, I mean, it, I mean, it definitely doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like, let's, you know, there, there is no need for seven minutes. I mean, this yeah. song has a, you know, it has a two-minute intro and about a two-minute outro yeah. as well. Yeah. And, like, this is not the only song on this. I mean, it's the only song that's seven minutes. Everything else sits around the four-minute mark. Indeed, right? yeah. Pretty much. But it's not the only song with an outro that's far too long. Well, yeah. Well, I get, that's presumably as part of uh, the two new guys coming in, the two new guitarists just wanting to... Just, just wank off at the end of these songs. Oh, this is this is this whole album is full of solos. Yeah, some better than others. Mm, quite. Yeah, I mean, I, I this is my this is my favourite one so far. But again, yep. it sounds nothing. These are three different songs by three different sets of songwriters. These are these are songs for solo projects. This this so far this is not an album. This is a compilation. Yeah, that's that's absolutely fair. Yeah, I mean, we would listen. You know, we listened to two compilations over the last two weeks, 
Um, and even, you know, Bowie, who is so famous for changing his spots between records, that Changes Bowie album is more congruous than this is. Mm. And this is supposed to be, you know, I mean, yeah, an album is presumably supposed to be viewed as a complete piece of work, no? Uh, well, you would absolutely assume so, especially in 1990, whenever you shuffle was something that some CD players had and that was it. Yeah. Yeah, no, you, you are supposed to listen from A to B and that's it. But they thought that this was the way forward. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, we're going to do a three. We'll do yeah, but that's, track that's three. four. We'll do track four. Track four is Do You Know, which is... Another, uh, it's Billy Burnett, the, the the guy who wrote the last one with Christine McVie. Yeah. And this one, so it's pretty different again. Yeah, I, I've limited notes on this one. Right, yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah. I mean, I've written down, all I've written down here is Dull Love Ballad. Yep. There's a tambourine. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't give a fuck. That's, uh, a, a, you know, a representative progression of this song. Yeah, I mean, look, it gets better towards the end. It's polished, if you're being nice to it. Yeah. But it is just unremarkable. There's no tune to this whatsoever. No, this, this is, when rumours came out, I was speaking to a friend of mine who's, mm-hmm. Dad was in the record and he was saying that when that record came out and it was just single after single after single see that completely changed the game in terms of what you were expected to be able to put out of a record oh because really okay. yeah because nothing else was producing that level of singles that time. Just, the whole record is tunes really isn't yes it? it is yeah this is the opposite of that yeah well yeah You'd struggle to find tunes this is, yeah, this is you know this is a band who you know I mean I, I listen to loads of stuff that isn't about generating big songs. You know, mm, true, that's, yeah. I, you know, I, don't, I don't think that that's the, the sole purpose of music, but it's quite an important part of being in Fleetwood Mac, isn't it? <laughs> if you want to preserve any of your legacy, I mean, it is. Christ, yeah. look at that greatest hits record. I mean, the Fleetwood Mac one? Yeah, it's incredible. Wall to wall. I mean, I've got nothing else to add to this song. Tell me, tell me what you think about it. I, I think it's insipid bollocks. Yep. I think uh, they have forgotten to write a tune. Yeah. Uh, I think they are coasting on Christine McVie's harmonies, trying to suck people in, mm-hmm. and there is nothing going on. Uh, it's all production mm-hmm. and no substance whatsoever. It sounds like a very well-produced song, but there's no actual song. I suppose at this point, putting a record out would still make you a lot of money. I mean, to be fair to them, it did a lot better in the UK. It didn't get anywhere close to number one in the US, this album. Right. Uh, it was only what, 33 or something like that. But it still would have sold them a lot of copies. But this, but this kind of... I mean, this was a number one for one week only, though, wasn't it? Over here it was, yes. Yeah, it kind of yeah. popped up and then disappeared. Yeah. I mean, the singles did nothing over here at all. No, no, they were in the 50s. They did well up. in Canada, though, I think. It did. I don't know if that says more about Canada or... Well, you know, let's not get into slagging Canadians off. No. I like Canadians and I'd like to visit them. Sure, not one of these days. They've got some good bands themselves, but... Well, yeah. Why have they... I don't know why they took this one to their, to their bosom. I mean, it was fallow month for beavers. I don't know. <laughs> but this... I mean, so far, that one, do you know, is the worst of some pretty bland shit for me. Oh, yeah. It's it, the worst one so far. Yeah. We've hit a low point... At track four. Yeah. I mean, I would argue we hit a fairly low point at track one, but... 
<laughs> setting that bar. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is you know, I mean, this is you know, we, we, we're talking about we're talking about limbos rather than high jumps. Okay, mate. Look, I need a break from this shit for a few minutes. Yeah. Why don't you tell me? Why don't you tell the people what else was going on in the albums chart? Right. Yeah. Uh, so what we'll look at because this is a big time period. Like I say, they were number one. Uh, rather, the Carpenters were number one for seven weeks, and this was in the middle. So we're looking kind of what was going on in that whole time to see what the the, the kind of the rest of the cool. world was doing. So there's quite a few uh, things out. Uh, Public Enemy's Fear of a Black Planet. That came out. The best public enemy record. I agree with you. That's the thing. It's oh, probably be, not the consensus, but well, that, that should be more controversial, really, shouldn't it? But yeah. Well, I suspect if you if you talk to a lot of hip hop fans, they'll disagree. They'll say it's nation of millions. But I think Vera Black Planet is a stronger album. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that I mean, I I love Takes a Nation of Millions. I think it is brilliant. I think it is. I understand all the arguments for it. But you know, I love. Uh, Fear of a Black Planet and I also really love Bone Rusher Show yeah of course I mean I love Bone Rusher Show but for me that's the weakest one uh, of the classics because it's the it's before they really find their sign to me like right now right this second if I was going to put a Public Enemy record on I would probably put on Bone Rusher Show at the really moment. just because yeah I, I mean I, I know all of those records back like so well mm. I know all of them so well, and I know that Fear of Black Planet is my favourite. I know that realistically, Takes a Nation of Millions is the best one mm. per se. Mm-hmm. But there's something about the Sankabout Bomb Rusher show. There's, there's a playfulness to it, and you know, I mean, you know, Chuck's rapping about his car. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you know, it's like he's talking about a badass's car. You the hardest hitting. You know, got you know, maybe got a reputation of being po faced a little bit, Chuck. You know, very, oh, yeah, yeah, very kind of always. Serious. But mate, he's not always serious. His first song's about his how his car's brilliant. <laughs> I, but I, I like the like you said the playfulness of that. But the sound of it isn't my favourite Public Enemy sound. Yeah, sure. I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that, the, the classic Bomb Squad production is all of uh, uh, Takes Nation, uh-huh. all of Black Planet, oh, right, yeah. bits of... Bits of Apocalypse 91. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, and it, you know, it was genre-defining at that point. You know, Whenever they came out with Nation of Millions, suddenly everyone was making records like that I think we're going to have to do a bonus podcast on the best hip hop records of 1990 could do point. could do well actually there's a couple of them in, that came out in this period uh, so we've got Public Enemy like I say uh, just in terms of going through chronologically Green Day that released 39 and Smooth which was I think yeah. their very first mm-hmm. just kind of min, what was it mini album or was it two EPs or something like that yeah, yeah something like that. Uh, that's quite that's quite nuts, isn't it? Really though, nineteen ninety, they are well ahead of that pop punk curve. Really are. Yeah, yeah, and this is it. They didn't break until what ninety three. Well, when you born, government no. basket case, basket case is not that even slightly later? Yeah, ninety four. I would say ninety four, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they didn't break until then, but this is four years previous to that. They were yeah. starting out on the circuit. Fair play to them. You know, and Jesus Christ, still going now. This is twenty-eight years on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Bruce Dickinson, tattooed millionaire. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I've I've heard this record. I've not. 
Uh, you won't like it. No. <laughs> One of the main things I don't like about Iron Maiden is his voice. Well, f- so, I mean, so I'm guessing. Why are, why are we friends? It has to be. Yeah, it's because it's, it's because we both like the same Public Enemy. Records. <laughs> but, no, look. I, I mean, I mean, Bruce Dickinson leaving Iron Maiden was bad because it left Iron Maiden without a front man. Yeah. It was also bad because it gave us Bruce Dickinson solo <laughs> records. <laughs> He hadn't, he hadn't left at this point because they've got they've, it's 1990 they've still got A Fear of the Dark to come out haven't they I see so he hasn't left at this point but he's, he's done it oh my god have you read any of his books oh no no oh oh I mean I don't, yeah. think, I don't think you can find them anymore he wrote um, I can't remember if he wrote one or two but he wrote these silly titles didn't yeah it was basically have you ever read any Tom Sharp yeah right so it's that kind of British sex farce mm. okay like extremely explicit okay? okay but it kind of was like he'd read he'd read uh, that stuff and he goes oh this is easy and it's it, it was uh, it was about this uh, upper class uh, toff called uh, Lord Iffy Boatrace that's the one yeah and it was ju- it was like it was like viz without without the wit wow it was just a bunch of really bad it was so bad wow. I mean I, I I mean I read it when I was Christ I read it when I was about 14 or something like that. So mm. my friend Alan bought a copy of it back from the States or something like that right for whatever reason my friend Alan won't be listening to this but Alan's always got stuff like that right Alan, Alan would always just have weird stuff that was rude or something like <laughs> I'll give you an example right? once we I don't know if I've told you once me and we were sat in the car and me and my friend Darren were just in there and Alan got in the back of the car and was like I've got this new watch and we're like alright oh, okay yeah yeah look it's, uh, I mean, it's, uh, it looks like a, yeah, it just looked like a normal watch and we, we were just sitting waiting hmm. for something and and he was just like yeah it's just a normal watch and then so I was like, oh, it's just bought a normal watch. And there's just a beat later. And he went, yeah, but instead of saying Rolex, it says bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the kind of shit that Alan would do, right? <laughs> right. Anyway, the point I was making is I was young when I read this book. And I knew it was shit then. Oh, it wow. Like, mate, it was like, oh, yeah, I knew nothing about sex, right? Mm. I knew nothing. But I knew that this was bad. I see. <laughs> right, okay. And did he, he wrote more than one then, did he? I, yeah, I believe so. All oh, right, fine. Well, uh, yeah, anyway, so yeah, if you can find any of those on eBay or in a, in a charity shop, then do pick them up. And Have just, fun with that. Yeah. Uh, after that, I've got Ice Cubes, America's Most Wanted. Loved that record when it came out. Me too, yeah. It, it was one of those ones where I... Uh, you know, there's was, there was one record shop. Well, there were two record shops in Belfast that I would frequent. One of them would always get more of this sort of stuff in. So whenever I went in and saw the single for it, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh shit. And as well, they probably only had one copy because it's mm-hmm. Belfast and who's buying Ice Cube Records? I was the happiest man in the world. Oh, absolutely. Like, happiest absolutely. 15 year old in the world, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I've got my copy from Soul Sense in Luton. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah dance store. Yeah. yeah, I had a big hip hop section as well. But oh, assuming it's the only place at that point you were going to be get get any hip hop. But the thing is, as well, like if I were to go in that shop, right, I was not a popular kid at school, but I loved hip hop, mm. and I'd have to kind of get, like, go in there and just stay inconspicuous, get my record, and get out. Oh, of I there. see. Okay. Otherwise, I was probably gonna get like mugged for my record. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, Ice Cube's worth getting mugged for, man. Yeah, for real. Yeah, uh, Eric B and Rakim's "Let the Rhythm Hit Him." Yep. Yeah, which was one of their later albums, but 
I mean, uh, I think we we discussed this recently for for a different project. Really, really good. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't aware of that this album at the time at all. No. Um, you know, as soon as 1988 and their big kind of flurry passed, everything else passed me by. I must yeah. admit. But going back to it, it's a wicked album. Great. So fair play. Uh, the other ones, Babes in Toyland, Spanking Machine. Right. Had no idea they were going in 1990. No. Passed me by. Nick Cave and the Band Seeds, The Good Son. It's a great record. I, I don't know it. I'm, I'm not a Nick Cave person. I know no, you're a I huge mean, fan. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, but, I mean you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the second biggest Nick Cave fan in this house. Well, yeah. Like Jenny's. Like, you know, Jenny's got pretty much a discography, so right, I, I know him from that. Well, yeah, so The Good Son. I mean, was that one of the first... Bad Seeds ones. Yeah, I believe so. Right. That would make sense, I guess, timing-wise. Uh, Tribe Called Quest, People's Instinctive Travels, etc., etc., etc. It's the, I least, pre- it's the mm. least good Tribe Called Quest record. Yeah. Uh, and well, No, that's not true, actually. No, it's, that, it's the least good of the early Tribe Called Quest of, of that classic period. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember when uh, Can I Kick It came out. Yeah, and I did. I liked that. That was good fun. But then uh, someone played me Bonita Applebaum. And I thought, don't really like that mm. one. I heard I left my wallet in El Segundo. Didn't really like it. I see. I, I see. I love both Bonita Applebaum and Wallet. No. Uh, I just don't think that. Uh, I just don't think that the album holds up as a whole. Now I think I think no. the singles off of it are still great, but uh, like just uh, just because if I'm gonna go back to Tribe. I'm, I mean, nine times out of ten, I'm going to go low in theory. Right, sure. Because why wouldn't Oh, be? the, the Stone Cold classic. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously Midnight Marauders as well. Yeah. It's an amazing record. Yeah. And you know what? Actually, even though it's really, really slated, it reminds me of a certain time in my life, and I really like to um, beat Runs and Life as well. Oh, right, yeah? Yeah. It's, okay. I mean, I, I, you know, when I listen to it now, I'm aware of its flaws, but it was... It's one of those records that was playing when I was having a very good time in my life. Oh, for sure, and that's, yeah, that's a big deal. Okay, well, well, yeah, there you go. That was the first one was was early nineteen ninety, and the only other one I've got down that came out in this period is Fugazi's Repeater. Again, a brilliant record. Yeah, I must admit, I I didn't know them at the time. I had friends who were well into Fugazi. Yeah, do you know Fugazi for me um, was. I think 1993 my friend Grant was really into them mm-hmm. they were playing Brixton Academy um, and I was just going to as many gigs as I could sure. basically I was just you know in that first rush of, of gigs and it's like yeah I'll go to that go to that have a listen to a few a few tapes and I tell you I've been to a lot of I've been to metal shows I've been to arena metal shows and I've been to stuff where people were of my age mm-hmm. But that was the first show I'd been to. I mean, I would have been like 18. Right. And there were a load of dudes in their like 30s. Okay. Kicking the shit out of each other. Not in a like a, not in a like a meathead aggressive way, but just in a, oh, this is what a pit is like. Yeah. And I was out of my depth, <laughs> but right. I fucking loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I loved every second of it. And that, I think, you know, that, that was what opened up so many other things for me, like Helmet. And right, sure. All of that early 90s. That the kind of hardcore sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's a good gateway. So, okay, look, we, we're talking a lot about credible albums and kind of alty stuff that's coming out. What was going on in the pop chart? Uh, yeah, no, the only two uh, new albums in the top ten in the, in the week that Fleetwood Mac were number one are 
UB40's Labour of Love 2. Oh, God. Right. Yeah, for whatever fucking reason. Uh, oh, I see three albums. ABC, Absolutely, which I'm assuming is a greatest hits. No idea. Um, because ABC's peak was, what, 83, 84? Yeah. Uh, and Heart Brigade. What's on Brigade? All I Want to Do Is Make Love To You. <sighs> which uh, we will be visiting in the top ten of this week, in fact. <laughs> But yeah, so the rest of it is is the same as what's been going on for the past few podcasts. Right. It's those massive Phil Collins, David Bowie, uh, Carpenters, Van Morrison, and stuff like that. So yeah, that's that's where where we are in the world. That's what's happening elsewhere. So let's dive back in to our second jolt of uh, <laughs> behind the mask. Yeah, right. We're up to track number five, five of thirteen. So we're almost halfway through on this one. Uh, track five is called Save Me. Oh, there's some awful synths in this song. Yeah. Again, this has got that 80 soundtrack kind of stomp on. Absolutely. Now, I was listening to this, and it's pretty predictable. Yeah. I do kind of like the main hook in it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I do kind of like it, and I I was thinking, looking at look, you know, I'm you know coming to this fresh, right? Had this song been in the background of some eighties film that I remember fondly, yeah, then would I have a different relationship with this song? Okay, I see. You know, would this you know would this be a montage song? Right, sure. Well, it's got all the qualifications for for that sort of uh, thing it's in that genre yeah but I don't know it's just uh, yeah so, so I, should, I should clarify that we run a DJ night called Montage where we play kind of songs for 80s action movies um, and it's brilliant oh, um, it's, it's, it's the it's, best fun you've ever had yeah but this yeah I don't know I'm trying, I'm trying to work out whether this is a good cheesy song and I'm just I'm not being good fun enough to <laughs> right. enjoy it or whether it's just very average. Well, I, I do think it's av- a pretty average, but maybe, like you say, if you hadn't come into it as track five on this album, if you, if someone had just put it on a compilation of stuff like this, you'd be like, well, that's all right. Yeah. Maybe so. This was the first single, so it, it, the, even you know everyone else thought this was the big one. This was yeah. the, the hooker to get you in. Um, but, yeah. The I, hooker the to hooker, get you in. You are. <laughs> the hooker. If you ever want to know how to get Krista into your restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but so, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was the first single. People thought this was going to be the hit. It absolutely was not a hit. Nah. I mean, look, the thing with this song is, it's not embarrassing. It's not an embarrassing song. No. But the problem is, and again, you can apply this across a lot of this record, no one's taking enough risks to embarrass themselves unless... You're in the third track. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they had, had only so much risk they could use and they just chucked it all into that one. Yeah, and, and let's face facts, it's the it's it's the best song we've had so far. <laughs> yeah. Bizarrely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I do I kinda of, do kind of love the guitar solo in this though. It's got a good I don't know if you can get a bit of that guitar solo in, but uh, but it is a good one. Although I did kind of got the vibe of like, you know, you're watching a band in a pub. Right, and they're, and they're just a pub rock band, but then all of a sudden the guitarist is really good. Oh, I see. Okay, he's slumming it with her. Yeah, no, no, but, he's, no you, but he can really, really play. But his his guts hanging out. Do you know what I mean? It's right. 
Uh, well, let's see if we can find a solo here. That's a good guitar. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that, fair enough. That is okay. That is all right, you know. Um, the video for this is incredibly eighties. It's it's really big, that, silly big hair and and shirts. Lots of focus. Lots of sort. Oh my god! It's all focus. Uh, wind blowing in the hair. Everything. And yeah. when again, this was the first single. They made the big video for it. This was going to get the MTV play, but it didn't. Uh, it was their last top forty hit in America, and it only got to number thirty three. It only got to number 53 over here. Yeah. No one gave a shit. Well, it's because it's dull. Yeah. Yeah. It's just dull. And also, I suppose, if you think, we are mentioning a bit about this last week, you do have, in the charts, you've got things like Primal Scream and Orbital. Even they might be giants. Mm-hmm. This kind of playfulness coming in. There's a lot more dance music coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just full of um, old rock bands. And so, Fleetwood Mac are starting to become pretty irrelevant as a singles act. For sure. You know, if you th- if you look back at the singles from Tango in the Night, there was an inventiveness to it. that the, They were pushing the envelope with little lies and everywhere. It, it yeah. sounded forward-thinking, even for, ni- well, for 1987, anyway. I still think I still think those songs hold up now. Oh, they do. Well, but they're classically 80s at this point. But they at the time, they were... They weren't. They didn't sound like everything else in the charts. Yeah, but yeah, you know, you've got to contextualise that with a fact that this is a band that started putting out records. What nineteen sixty nine or something? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, for a band to be able to do that, to have their first record in the in the sixties, and to put out a contemporary record in the late eighties, mm. I think that's significant. You know? Oh, it's fantastic, and it also uh, points to the fact of how good a songwriter and producer Lindsay Buckingham was. For sure, because that because Tango the Night was gonna be a solo album for him. The rest of the band, well, Mick Fleetwood especially, kind of bullied him into making a, a Fleetwood Mac album. Mm-hmm. But it shows how much influence he had. Now that's gone. They've gone back to this very bland, average. But it, what, sound. This, what this record feels like more than anything, it feels like a record without a guiding voice. If it, you know, yeah, and you know, like maybe the fact that Lindsay was the producer held that all together but there's no narrative that's running through this record at all Let, let's get on to the next song Affairs of the Heart because this is going to give us another flavour of what's going on right so Affairs of the Heart track number 6 so as soon as I heard this even before she started singing I was like oh this is a Stevie Nicks song oh I see yeah straight away as soon as I heard, as soon as I heard that kind of pop there and I thought mm-hmm. about Stevie, Stevie Nicks solo records yeah. I was like this is a Stevie Nicks song as soon as she started singing I was like great and I'm absolutely alright with this song oh really yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's one of the more most interesting ones so far yeah especially lyrically it's not just uh, love love or bland cliches Again, it's a, just a good '80s pop rock kind of. Mm. You know, it's uh, you know there's, there was loads of this kind of stuff knocking around back end of the '80s. You know, Belinda Carlisle, yeah, sure, Jane Wedlin, yeah, Taylor Dane. I mean, all of those mm. kind of like kind of pop rock acts to a, to a degree. Bangles. Yeah, I mean, I've put the Bangles in a slightly different class. Okay, but it's playing the same fit for it. But yeah, no, yeah, with, with, yeah, absolutely within 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 that ballpark. Yeah, decent eighties pop right affair. I like the feel of it, but there are, you know, admittedly, a lot of similar 
better. Yeah, true. Yeah. Okay. And again, it's not like this would have been a better single or anything like that. It is an album track. Yeah. It, it's it's another one of whatever they're doing at the minute. It, it's not it's not pushing any boundaries. It's not reinventing any wheels. But I do like the fact that at least the lyrics to this seem to be more specific to something she actually gives a shit about and something she's dealt with in her life. Definitely. Yeah, you know, it, it, um, I'm, I'm getting that it's about the end of a relationship that she's kind of bittersweet about it finishing, um, even though she knows it was doomed from the start. Yeah. But it's, it's still never pleasant when it happens. It's got a fucking dog shit title though, isn't it? Affairs of oh, the Car. Oh, yeah. But that sounds like, again, another TV they, show, DDM TV show. About a, about a heart surgeon doctor, but it's about his relationships excellent I'm in yeah alright now you saw me yeah I think we could have um, Dirk Benedict as at Dr um, Love <laughs> Dr Love <laughs> now he's going to be <laughs> he's going to be uh, Dr Aorta <laughs> Dr Aorta I like it why Aorta that's his daughter <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ oh, Dr no. Aorta and his daughter why Aorta <laughs> she's a bit shorter <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, copyright that shit right now. So I'm yeah. listening to this and oh, I yeah, take yeah. it, edit all that. Out. <laughs> Fucking, I'm a comedian. Yeah. <laughs> You're me. Shall we move on to the next one? Yeah. Track seven. When the sun goes down. Mm. Mm. <laughs> When the sun goes down. This, is, this is your man with his rock and roll country influence again, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. I mean, this is uh, written by the two new ones. And I, mean, I, I'm trying to th- I was trying to think. Stop this nonsense. Was Billy Ray Cyrus big at this point? Was not he yet. doing his thing yet? No? Not yet, not for a couple of years. Garth Brooks? No, I think so. That that kind of that new country revolution wasn't until like kind of ninety two, ninety three, was it? Was really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, Aiky Breaky Heart would have been before that. Was it? That was that was definitely when I was, you know, probably living in Belfast. Okay, Maybe well, ninety one. I, I mean, well, so Bill Bill Hicks is doing that stuff on. Revelation, isn't he? So, yeah. Oh, so that's like 91, 92. Yeah, yeah, okay. okay. So, maybe 91. Whatever it was, I suspect this is uh, a movement that's getting bigger in the States, and these two guys have gone, I'll tell you what, people love this shit. Let's put a fucking Zydeco version of, of uh, a Fleetwood Mac song on it. I'll tell you what it reminds me of mm-hmm. is uh, Holiday Road from the Vacation soundtrack. I have the exact same thing. Oh, did you really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I've got exactly, I have it here. Let's play a bit of this. Yeah. Exactly. It, honestly, which is surely someone must have listened to that and gone, "All right, so we've got you two guys in to replace Lindsay Buckingham." Yeah. You've written a song that sounds like Lindsay Buckingham's "Holiday Road." That is a Lindsay Buckingham song. Jesus yeah. Christ! What? Why? Have, why are you doing this? Oh my God! I forgot that was Lindsay Buckingham. That's him. Oh this my like, God! <laughs> Why would someone let that on the record? Well, I mean, for the same reason that Stiltskin had a career. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a song that sounds like the Smashing Monkeys. Yeah, true. But it just seems bizarre to me that they would come in, go, "All right, yeah, we're we're, we're taking Lindsay Buckingham's place." Um, so here we're going to stamp our own identity on these other ones. But also, here's a bit of a pastiche. 
Yeah, so, yeah, it, it is strange. I think this is a fucking dreadful song. Oh god, it's awful. Yeah, every single bit of it is. Yeah, bullshit. No, don't. No, sir, I didn't like it. No, <laughs> no, no. Um, again, it, it. I think it feels out of place, even on an album where there's no through line. I, I think it sounds particularly out of place. Yeah. Um, I think it is a bad, badly written song, and it annoys the piss out of me. Yeah. I mean, I can see your face, mate. That's, <laughs> that's actually made you angry, isn't it? It, I, I, it, it? it has annoyed me. And again, surely a producer should have gone, no, not this one. This is too too bad and too well, different. Okay, well, do, do you think that maybe... I mean, these are people that are clearly difficult to deal with. Well, yeah, put it this way. If Mick Fleetwood had a song that he wanted on there, I imagine it would be on there. Look. When you've got that amount of history and you're on the back of what is essentially a smash hit, a smash hit record, mm. um, and then I mean, do you remember how enormous their greatest hits record was when it yeah, came out? Yeah, it was actually all of the, the green cover. Yeah. So literally, the last two releases have been enormous releases. They're go- they're going into this with a position of power. The band are, and especially the long term members are. But I would have thought the new two new guys could have been kept in their place a bit more yeah well but, who knows who knows who knows but fuck it fuck that song yeah next one is right. the title track yes so yeah this is Behind the Mask uh, track 8 mm-hmm. yes the first thing I listened to on this record I went oh this is cool right Nice, nice build up. Yeah. More somber, a bit of an atmosphere to it. Don't you come too close to me. You're dangerous. Can't you see? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I quite like this song. It goes along quite nicely. Uh, it's a kind of a, a Spanish kind of twangy mm-hmm. guitar comes in mm-hmm. at one point mm-hmm. and I thought that's quite nice and then it does this kind of slightly unnecessary soundtracky bit towards the end and then as so many songs do particularly on the back end of this record mm-hmm. it's done what it needs to do and then it just outstays it's welcome by about a minute or so yeah it kind of peters out yeah and um, that's right you know I've, I've got that as a note from most of these ah right yeah most of these songs it's just a, so many long outros on these songs yeah Th- this one I also thought it was one of the better ones on here I thought there was yeah. a good feel to it and what I took from the lyrics was it's either about the behind the mask it's about someone she can't trust because uh, they hide their true face behind the mask and so she isn't able she doesn't want them back in her life yeah. uh, she doesn't want them anything to do with them or is it about her own demons and depression and that is the person behind the mask that she can't be around and it's it's, it's, it's like her but the, the the bad mental side of her that she doesn't want to deal with I just thought the whole thing was about Eric Stoltz <laughs> There's a niche reference. <laughs> uh, you'd be laughing your ass off if you got that, Jake. <laughs> I'll be totally honest with you. By the time I'd got to this point in the record, mm. I had got so disillusioned with the lyrics, I 
had broadly stopped. I, I was still reading them, but I was yeah. like, okay. I mean, what they'd done by this point is they had lost good faith with me. Right, okay. That these songs were about anything. Well, and most of them aren't, is the absolute truth. Most of them are just absolutely are not. Or are about some nonsense that you don't need to write a song about. Yeah. But, no, I think maybe because of that, this one stood out to me a bit more because it wasn't just some bland wishy-washy shit mm. about, uh, I love you, you love me. Ever the romantic, though, there, Christopher. Of course, mate, you know me well. Some wishy-washy shit, I love you, you love me. <laughs> Uh, Tell me again why you're single. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies. Mm. Um. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I can't see myself putting this on any playlist of mine, and I can't see myself listening to it again. If you force me to, it would be one of the two or three I would. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with that. Uh, but next, we go to the next one. Yeah, this is Stand on the Rock. Yes, it is. Oh. Back in the blues territory. Fuck's sake. I mean, is that a little bit of a rip-off of an ACDC intro? Look, it's just... It's just that. It's in that ballpark, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's, like, you know at, at this point, we're in 1990, and, you know, kind of... Middle-aged white men have been ripping off the police for four years. <laughs> yeah. Got fucking practice. Yeah, you know. I mean, yeah. this is. I mean, I, I've just written this is dog shit. It's awful. Yeah, I, yeah. Just nonsense. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I think the tone has probably been coming through all this, but this was the point for me when I was listening to it, going, I'm really fucked off with this record. Right. This is probably the most annoyed. I've got with a record we've listened to so far. Oh, really? More than the Christians? Yeah, I mean, the Christians... Right, the Christians... The fact that it is so smug annoys me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What annoys me about this is this is Fleetwood Mac. Right, yeah. This is Fleetwood... You know, this, you know, look. And this isn't Fleetwood Mac, let's be honest. This is... You know, we all have bad times in our life and we, also, we often do things we're not proud of. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that this is that moment for them, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that they don't lose a lot of sleep about this record. Oh, God, they've probably forgotten it happened. I mean, well, if you look back, I, I went on uh, setlist.com uh-huh. and there's a little tool on there, I don't know if you've ever used it, but you can look out over tours and it'll give you a breakdown of what how many songs per album they played per show but they'll also aggregate the entire tour Um, now they did obviously they were doing massive uh, stadium tours over the last two years so they were doing two and a half hour sets Mm. like playing 24 songs of all of those dates how many songs do you think got played at all from this record bearing in mind they they were mixing the sets up quite a bit and playing some rarities and things it's probably one and you've gone in a bit high. <laughs> really, not one. Not a single song. Zero. F- not a single song from this album on their on their massive tours. But so, then, which one would you do? Well, a, yeah. no, I mean exactly. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I've got anything to add on Stand on the Rock? Um, the whole what, what it's all about, I think, is terrible. It's uh, my love is a rock. You uh, will can't wash it away. Um, you know, you are the sea. You're you know going out and wild, being wild. I'm your rock. I'll always be here for you. It's like. This is this is a bad metaphor you're using. Yeah, it's it's tired and it's cliched, and it's got ob- just some dreadfully obvious rhymes. It's like, oh, you play so rough, but my love's too tough. Wow. Yeah. 
don't do that don't do that on a song you don't have to do it don't rhyme mountain with fountain yeah. and don't do this sort of shit absolutely never do it and then the other note I've got is that it sounds like Chris Rhea yeah and that's never good is it? <laughs> that, that guitar sound it sounds like uh, Chris Rhea to me yeah so it, it, again this is another one this is Rick Vito one of the two new guys it's him doing his fucking country country Cunty country. Yeah. Uh, don't rhyme country. <laughs> don't, you don't need to do that, mate. <laughs> I'm better than that. Yeah. I'm really not. Okay, so we'll take another break from Fleetwood Mac because I think we both need it. Let's look at the singles top 10 in this the week that Fleetwood Mac was number one. So we're looking at the week of the 21st of April. 1990. Yeah. Let's see what is in the top 10. So we're starting off again. We've got a little bit of a hangover at uh, number 10 with uh, B52's Love Shack. So we've seen this before a couple of times. Yeah. It's still lingering around the, the, the lower end of the top 10. Number 9, Jason Donovan, Hang On to Your Love, which I think we've, we saw like, maybe a couple of weeks back. No, I think that was, was that a different, different one. one. Uh, I mean, uh, well, it maybe is because I listened to this and I don't remember it at all. I mean, they all just sound the same. They stuck out in Walkman songs. I said yes, they very much do. So I know the same. That that could be a Kylie song right there. Yeah, but I don't remember this whatsoever. Nah. Also sounds like that Together Forever one he did. Together Forever. Oh, was that Rick Astley? Forever with you. Was Rick Astley? Oh, God, no. I mean, again, stuck in the water. Yeah, yeah, sounds like that. So, yeah, that was number nine. Uh, number eight, right, we mentioned them earlier. Heart, all I want to do is make love to you. So this is... It's a cracking tune. Yeah. It, oh. It's ridiculous. Oh, God, in so many ways. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's basically like a... It's like, it, this is like a Mills and Boone song, but with denim and leather. <laughs> but yeah, some some bizarre topics going on in this. Like, why would you write a song about these things? Yeah, I don't know. And it's it's almost like, and and in the end, this man died in 1980. <laughs> camouflage. Yeah. I, I, I don't get me started on camouflage. I fuck it. If 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 you don't, who's it? Stan Ridgeway. Stan Ridgeway. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know the song Camouflage by Stan Ridgeway, go and listen to it now. And if you don't like it, then stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> it's wonderful. I don't need you as a listener. <laughs> but the, the other thing, this heart song, it's, it's a classic big rock ballad. You know, it's, it's all the big chords, massive chorus. It's fantastic in that way. But yeah, the themes and the lyrics is about... A one night stand. This woman meets him, meets a bloke in a bar. Yeah. Uh, one night stand. Gets pregnant by him. Mm-hmm. Keeps the baby because she's always wanted a baby. Mm-hmm. Sees the guy again when she's out with the baby at some mm-hmm. point, and he notices that. I think the line is, "And it, it, when you saw your own eyes." Yeah. He's like, "Oh right, okay, so this is my kid." But the the, the way it's something. Like, hey, that's a bizarre thing to write a song about. But they put in lines like. He, you, he brought the women in me so many times easily. It's like, you just, okay, so you're talking about a stranger that made you come loads on your one night stand. Is that, I don't think that's. I don't think that's an unreasonable. I think that's just a. But but to, but to, uh, but okay, you wouldn't say, and he made me come loads because you can't say that in a pop song. But to say he brought the women in me so many times easily. Yeah. 
oh man I, that that just makes me shudder I, I mean it's it's I know what you're saying but I think that's you know but I think that's a that's a Jilly Cooper shit right there yeah of course it is man it's it's, it's straight out of <laughs> it's straight out of some kind of it's uh, a middle aged woman's romance novel yeah yeah for real but I mean you know is it any worse than any of like the lyrics on an any ACDC record she uh, told me to come but I was already there yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's no worse than that yeah so fair. yeah but mate, I, I can't sleep the song because I think it's a fucking brilliant song. I do. Love oh, it's it. amazing! I love it. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and, like Nancy Wilson's just gotten one of those voices again. Oh she? yeah. She wrote loads of the songs in um, almost famous. You know, all the Stillwater songs in oh, almost famous. Yeah, I did, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, she wrote all of those with uh, you know because is she married to Cameron Crowe? Don't keep up with the celeb gossip, mate. No, I don't. Maybe we need to start digging into that now we're doing this podcast. Yeah. Alone by Heart is one of the great songs ever written. Yeah, for sure. Incredible. One of the best songs to sing along to. Yeah, yeah. If you can hit those high notes, well done, you. Oh yeah, but no. I think quite a lot of the fun is definitely knowing you can't, but trying anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of the big ones at montage. Remember, we do our montage oh, nights. God, yeah. One of the big ones. Now, as well, I work a in a pub, and there's a load of you know twenty year olds work there. They love Alone by Heart. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not as big as Africa by Toto, but. They know it and love some, it. Some things transcend generations. They really do. I'm and, fair play. And other things are behind the mask. <laughs> yeah. Fleetwood Mac. Uh, right, next one. Number seven. Don't remember this at all. Business. Don't miss the party line. Oh, why? Uh, you're going to miss the party line. Yeah. Yeah. When I said, don't time, you're going to miss the party line. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Yeah, I know this. This rings no bells whatsoever for me. Mm. Right. Oh well. And this was a bit. This is. This was in the top ten for a good few weeks. Yeah, I mean that is. It's a very of its time sound, isn't it? That? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that just takes me straight back to that time in my life. Yeah. 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 No, no, School no, discos. Yeah. No. No. That's that kind of. It wasn't really school. It was it was the idea of this this something else that was happening. Like when people were talking about cl- oh this is a big club record. Oh, okay, yeah. And I was like, you know, I mean, I'm 15. I'm like, you know, my experience of the clubs are like, you know, the youth club. Yeah. It, and it's like, oh, what what what's happening in these places? And I'm like curious. Right. Well, lots of drugs. I think was the answer to that. Well, yeah. Uh, speaking of lots of drugs. Six Happy Mondays, step on. And this was the first I really knew them, the Happy Mondays. I, I didn't exactly. know any of the previous bits. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this was fucking massive. Uh, next one, though. Number five. I know this one. Oh, you, you absolutely know this. Oh, this is this a track? Yes. Oh, it's a different. Yeah, it's just the. I know the album version. Oh, I see. This yeah. is the single one, isn't it? Yeah. What? What was it featuring? Who? MC Scat Cat. That's him. Thank Scat you. Cat. <laughs> now, I'll be honest with you, mate. I've got three cats, and when I got up this morning, one of them shat by my front door. Oh. So. Uh... <laughs> Next one, number four. 
I'm not going to play this one. UB40 Kingston Town. Don't play it. No. No. Uh, number three is Snap the Par, which we had last yeah. week. Number two, uh, we've talked about this one briefly before, uh, Alana Miles, Black Velvet. Yeah. I still think it's a great song. I, like I said to you, I, I, I love, hate it. Yeah. I, I, I always say I love, hate it. I love the song and hate myself and like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so bad, but I do like it. Indeed. But number one this week, having gone in a, like a couple of weeks back and moved up. What are you looking at? Madonna's Vogue. Big tune. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I know you're a huge Madonna fan. Yeah. 1990. Are you still keeping up with everything she's doing? Absolutely. When this came out, were you impressed? I love this song yeah. that came out. Yeah, absolutely yeah. love this one. I mean, I was... Because um, this is this is the year Immaculate Collection kind of comes out, isn't it? Uh, yes, exactly. We'll talk, I think we'll talk about that later on. Yeah, end, end of the year, Christmas one. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Madonna. I just I, I loved mm. Madonna as a kid. I I still love Madonna now. I don't. Oh, no. I don't love her output as much now as I did. Uh, I don't think she's making great choices recently. Maybe, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I also still believe that there is absolutely another great era of Madonna coming. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, and she's got an I album there. Absolutely believe it. She did never count her out. She is not done. No, but for her, does the case need to be? that she finds the right producer. Look, I think the thing with Madonna is it's too simplistic to look at it like a manufactured pop act where a pr- where songwriters and producers are found for them. And I think what she's always been very good at throughout her career is seeing something that somebody's doing, going after them and making that sound hers. Okay, right. So the other way around. Yeah. So like, you know, when you look at, you know, she had like, like Jelly Bean Benita, she had that kind of period. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she had worked with all kinds of different, like, you know, obviously like on that, on the last, I would say like the big jag of hers when she kind of worked with William Orbit. Yeah, and, definitely. Because again, you know, Frozen was quite a few years after you know, you know, after after a little bit of what you would, I mean, argue as a bit of a fallow period, came, come, you know, after kind of bedtime stories and everything, sure, yeah. back into with, you know, that was a, a big hit that album for her. It was a great album. Mm. It was a brilliant album. I was working in a record store while that album was out. Yeah, I've heard that record every day, and yeah, I still love that record. Right, but um, I think that I think at some point she will find a sound. Or she'll find someone that's doing something that she wanted to. Because, you know, there's, there was that really interesting uh, Liam Howlett thing, wasn't there? Where, where um, like, before the Prodigy were, like, I think they'd broken massive. Mm-hmm. Madonna was trying to get Liam Howlett to produce for her. Really? And his uh, comeback to that was, no, that's my sound and you can't have it. I Okay. Because he knew what would happen. And I think, yeah, that's and that's it. It's like, you know, those people that she had that produced with her don't necessarily go on to have enormous legacies beyond the fact that they were that era of Madonna. Right, true. Yeah, that's kind of the end of their journey is making Madonna a better... Yeah, but, um, but you know, but what's quite interesting, though, is you don't... I mean, and I, again, my knowledge is not in, encyclopedic here, so, I, you know, email me if I'm wrong. Uh, but, like, you don't see... You didn't see Madonna kind of go straight in for the obvious things that everyone's doing like you don't there's not the the NERD collaboration okay sure it wasn't the Timberland no. collabs you know no. all of those things that where they're going after the big zeitgeist producers she always goes slightly outside of that 
and yeah and that's why it stands differently and, and again you go like well if, she, if she'd got uh, the Prodigy sound mm. what could she have done with it who knows uh, well there you go but number one Vogue I also remember the first time I saw the video for that I thought it was amazing yeah, yeah. funnily enough I was, I, do, I, was, uh, I was doing a comedy night the other night and uh, I asked one of the other acts what their favourite Madonna song was and she said it was Vogue really yeah yeah shout out to Maisie Adams if you haven't seen Maisie Adams do comedy go and see her she's fucking brilliant uh, in fact I think her show is called Vague which oh nice okay right. that would do yeah. it but she didn't say like a prayer we had a conversation about like a prayer right okay I, 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 I explained to her why <laughs> I, I thought she may have been wrong yeah because exactly the, the question really is what's your second favourite Madonna song exactly yeah there's no point yeah. in, in usually just going to verse what's the greatest pop song of all time but yeah yeah I, I suspect we've got listeners that may not agree with us. Well, they could be wrong, that's fine. <laughs> I suspect we've got listeners. <laughs> yeah. I suspect we fucking haven't. Yeah. Calm down, Mark Maron. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Maron. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, so there you go. That is the top ten. But we do need to finish off Lee with Max Behind the Mask. We are nearly, nearly there, though. We're right. at track ten. Is this hard? Is this hard, hard feelings? It is hard. Feelings. Let's just get through this as quickly as we can. Yeah. Okay. Hard feelings. Track ten. Yeah. Right. Now I reckon, if you asked the band at the time about this, mm. they go, "Yeah, this is kind of our Beatles number." Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. I reckon they think this sounds like kind of psychedelic period. The right. Beatles, right. All right. Um. Lyrically, he likes her. She mm. doesn't like him. Yeah. Couldn't give a fuck. Regretting getting involved with someone because it's never going to work. Yeah. How difficult it is. There are some nice vocal harmonies on this track. Mm hmm. Uh, I like the, the. I've made a note of it, kind of the descending guitar line. I think that's okay. Yeah, the, the, there were some notable moments in it, but it is produced within an inch of its life. Yeah. There is significant production on this record. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, none of it's particularly showy, mm. but it's a it's a record that's had a lot of the, the edges smoothed. Oh, it's got it. the life sucked out of it. Oh yeah, yeah it, it's exactly it's been put through every production machine possible to make it as bland and inoffensive. Yeah, and I don't. I, I've got a feel. I've got a feeling that there wasn't that much life in this record. Anyway, no, that's for true. the most part. No, you're absolutely right. There's okay, um, so yeah, I, 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 anything to add on hard feelings? Um, the only thing I noticed um, was that it's uh, co-written by uh, one of the new guys, uh, Billy Burnett, and this guy called Larry Silbar. Never heard of him. Who's he? Looked him up. In the same year, in, in 1990, he won a Grammy for co-writing "Wind Beneath My Wings" by Bette Midler. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So it, that's the sort of which is again it's bizarre to me if that's the sort of people that Fleetwood Mac are getting in to help them co-write I'm wondering what sort of what what are they looking for what do they think is going to come of this well why do you need a co-writer if you've got four songwriters in your band because they can't write good songs it turns out or they can't write 13 songs that are any good I think what I think is they can't write songs together that surely is the case that each of them comes to the table going here's one I've done before this is what's happening yeah I mean that's that's the thing you know obviously there are I mean there are songwriting partnerships and there are songwriting 
competitions and there are you know and there are bands with one great songwriter but how many bands are there really with multi, you know with that many songwriters in them the Beatles I mean the Beatles have got two though really oh, George has got some crackers mate yeah okay but the, the drop off for third place is big are you sure yeah do you know what I mean That's yeah, yeah. no you're right he has but um, yeah okay let's move on to the next one next one's called Freedom I do fucking love Stevie Nicks' voice. Oh, it is a great... Yes, true. It is a classic voice. Uh, it's, uh, I've got to be honest with you. It sounds like you, you're not a fan of this one at all. This song? No, I'm not. See, this is one of my favourites on the record. Really? Yeah, really like this one. I've got a nice, simple feel to it. It's got a nice vocal on it. It's... I mean, again... It, it, <laughs> at this point, I was... I was probably assessing songs on how reasonable their outro was. That's <laughs> right, right, sure. And is it short enough? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think this is a good song. I think it's a, I think it's a nice, succinct, well-written song. So so far Ooh. for me on this record, Stevie Nicks is pretty much two for two. I see. Okay. But then, I, I, this is. I put a little asterisk next to this one. This might be my favourite song on the record. Well, no. I'm okay. I'm. I'm surprised that I think it's. I think there's no tune to it again. I think lyrically, it's more interesting. Um, and but I couldn't work out. Exactly the 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 dynamics of the relationship she's talking about in there. I, I seem to get that it's about a relationship that someone either tried to steal her man, yeah, but it also could be that she stole someone else's man. I wasn't sure which way around it was going. Well, so I I think it's coming from she's been scorned. But I can't work out whether the outcome is that the other woman got rejected and she's the stupid one right. or whether Stevie got rejected and she's the stupid one right yeah. I, can't, I can't quite okay. work out the status of it but yeah. it almost doesn't matter does it no true enough true enough uh, co-written by Mike Campbell who's the guitarist of uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers nice yeah that was his input in that as well this sounds like a, a song that would fit on a Fleetwood Mac record I'd say it sounds more like it would fit on a Stevie Nicks solo record. Well, yeah, I mean, there is that as well, but... Yeah, okay, fair enough. I'll give you that. But, but I, I, but I, I, I like this one best, but I've, I've got a soft spot for Stevie Nicks, so... Right, sure, okay. So you're you're predisposed to, to like that a bit more. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. I'll give you the voice, for sure. She's got... It's not Nancy Wilson from Heart, you know. For me, it's not even uh, Karen Carpenter... But she's got such a distinctive voice exactly that, that you know exactly what's going on. And yeah, exactly. There's a there's a there's a tone to it, and there's a you know there's just yeah. It's one of those voices you want to hear what it's saying. Mm. Okay, well, it's a yes from you. It's a pretty pretty much no. Not a fucking Christ never again no from me. But didn't do anything for me that song. But we're nearly there. Track twelve of thirteen. Yeah. When it comes to love. Stop that. I mean, this this is this is another song about ambiguous love. Um, yeah, it's, it's, isn't it kind of? We got to take it slow, uh, so we don't rush into things and don't yeah. scare me off. Because yeah, as we all know, cautious love. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was the best kind of love. Big love, wasn't it? <laughs> cautious. <laughs> Looking at the love, slightly more cautious love. <laughs> three years have passed. Lessons have been learned. Let's not rush into things. <laughs> 
I've had my fingers burned once and I shan't have them burned again I'll tell you fucking cautious love another fucking eight minutes worth of intro on this piece of shit as well yeah. rubbish you see who wrote this one anyone in particular well it's uh, Burnett the new guy yeah uh, with uh, a writing partnership Dennis Morgan and Simon Climey as a, in a, a Climey Fisher of Climey Fisher yeah that changes everything hey and there's another niche reference for you people exactly yeah um so yeah, apparently he at the, this time he's you know through the nineties he was also writing for other people as well. Mm-hmm. But at this time he was doing a lot of writing for uh, record labels. But I mean I remember from the chart show uh, producer writer all that stuff. Oh out I see. The text yeah. right. But I, I don't but you know but I'm, I'm remembering that now. Fine. I probably haven't thought about that for thirty years. Right. So. Well it turns out as well because this little nugget I found out Dennis Morgan and Simon Clammy they wrote a lot of stuff together. Yeah. Um, one of the songs they wrote was uh, George Michael, Aretha Franklin, I Knew You Were Waiting, which is also a much, much better song than this bullshit. Oh, God, this is... I mean... Yeah. Yeah. This is this is not a good song. No, I, I think this is, again, bland nothingness. There's no hook to it. No. No bite. You'll never remember this the instance it stops. It's track 12 on an album of bland. Yeah. You know, that they're not suddenly going to go. Oh, here's the hit. Chuck this in on at number twelve. This is just a continuation of nothing. You know, it's yeah. Anyway, right. So this okay. So now, so that's when it comes to love. That's track twelve. Yeah. And I mean, let's hope we're going to finish strong then with the second time. This is the song where I find that my soft spot for Stevie Limit really does have a limit. Okay, yeah. And we have reached it. Because this is fucking dreary, isn't it? Really, really dull. I mean, it's dreary. I mean, it doesn't do anything else to me. No, that's it. There's two and a half minutes or whatever it is. Two and a half minutes of that. It's, it, it doesn't change. It's too simple. Sorry, it's not good enough to be that simple. Right. If you know what I mean. The sure. com- the, the component, you know, it's not like you've got one great bit and that's all it needs to sustain it. Mm. But it's rubbish. It, the, I mean, yeah. the, the only positive thing you can say about that song is it's two and a half minutes long. Sure. And it's the last one on this album. Yeah. And it, and as I heard that, I went, I'm never going to have to hear any of the songs on this record again. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it, I think it's a very strange way to finish the album. It's like the whole album has just petered out like every single yeah. song did but um, I also understand they probably couldn't have put it anywhere else in the album you wouldn't have stuck that in the middle I don't think anyone that's listened to this is going to be surprised that we don't like this record no I hope that came through I hope we were clear Yeah. Uh, I don't want anyone to be in any doubt that I think this is really bad yeah again if you've put out as many records as these guys are you're allowed this record Sure, and like you say, they don't play any of it live, so they're not inflicting it on anyone anymore. No one's introducing their friend to Fleetwood Mac by giving them this album. Yeah, it's it's done. It's gone. It's forgotten. This is you know this this record is like the kind of the the twelve year old kid that's acting up because his parents have got divorced. <laughs> right, that's, that's what this is. This is this <laughs> is this is the pro- the product of a difficult time. This record. Um, 
You know, but I mean, even so, it, it boggles the mind. This record is so carelessly put together. Yeah. I cannot comprehend what process comes where these tr- these tracks, as they are, are first of all deemed acceptable. But even if you go, right, well, this is what we've got, that they're put together in this order. Yeah. But then again, you couldn't have it where all of Nick Vito's bad country songs were the first four tracks, and then it was Christine McVie's uh, slow ballads. Because that would be even weirder, I think. Well, maybe it wouldn't, maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it at least have zones, and it would be a journey. True. It's a criticism that is often uh, levelled at movies, but this feels like a record that's been made by committee. Yes. No one gave a shit about anyone else's songs. Nah. And but they have to do their bit on them. Yeah, I mean, in the weird political world we're in, actually, maybe this is quite a good object lesson in actually what moving towards the centre in terms of compromise could actually be. Mm. Because everyone is, everyone's stuck to their guns here and they've produced a load of shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they really have. Everyone, you know, this is this is a bad, bad record. Yes. I agree. You know, I mean, obviously, we're listening to it out of context over the time. Oh, um, yeah, because, like you said, the, the the singles on this album didn't even uh, break the top 40 over this way. I had heard none of these songs before. Not one. No. So this is all brand new to us 28 years after it was yeah. released. So, yeah, this, this is we're going from a slightly unfair point of view. Sure. Because we... It's of the time, like we said. But I, but I actually don't think it is. I think we've we've said that quite a bit. I think this album would have sounded dated when it came out. Oh, sorry. Yes, I agree. It, yes, but only by two or three years at that point. Like, I think it's an 87, 88. Okay, but two, two or three years in pop music is a very long time. It, it totally is. And, you know, let's face it, we've just, we just did um, Violator and Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, which I can say they are of the time as well. Yeah, but they are much better and much more forward-looking. This is backward-looking. Do you think this is a point of of a band just trying to be relevant, but having had having run out of ideas? I think this is a sign of a band clinging on to anything they can. Um, they're not. I'd say they're definitely not happy as a band. Uh, I think there's no cohesion with the two new members and the three uh, existing members yeah. or four. And it sounds to me like they are just doing it because they have to put an album out. Do you think like the two new like the two new guitarists are like so if you, if if the band you know the band are, are the relationship and they've gone well why don't we have a couple of kids and see if that helps? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very true. It's a good good analogy. So we'll, we'll pull our pour our love into these kids mm-hmm. and hopefully it will yield something. And what it will yield is a shit Lindsay Buckingham cover and. Uh, yeah, it's lots of country. But the, the thing I found it very difficult to make notes on this podcast, and I actually found it quite difficult to to have the conversation today in a way more because I don't get any pleasure out of slagging a record off, right? Sure. I, I mean, I quite enjoy it if it's funny. Yeah. Well, the well, the yeah. problem with this record is it's quite, it's just so mediocre. It's not. It's it's just boring and bland and it's a waste of everyone's fucking time it is it's a total waste of time and they must have realised this because only one song of this was on a two CD best of yeah they're not playing it live 
Yeah. The two guitarists went off and did something else after this because they didn't stay in there. Because why fuck would you stay and play those songs? It's a moment in their history that is just done and gone and they don't have to think about it again. It's just dull, dull, dull shit. So yeah, it's bollocks. Okay, so not our our best record so far, but we do have to pick some songs to go on our playlist. Yeah, uh, according to our own rules, we have to include at least one song from every album, the UK number one album that we're talking about, to go on the playlist. Yeah. Okay. If you were listening last week, but always when we uh, we talked about the Depeche Mode record, and you wondered why we didn't select any songs, obviously that was never a number one record. It was just a number two. We talked about it because uh, it, it come out that week. We thought it was noble. We thought it was something we could have a conversation about uh, in the absence of a number one record. So uh, that's what we did. But we don't won't select songs for it. So okay, Krista, what have you got any that you are desperate to put on there? The only one that I would put on there or, or the one that I would put on there most is the really weird seven minute one in the back of my mind and I know that is probably not what people want to listen to oh god it's going to ruin the pop <laughs> it's oh. going to stand out like a sore thumb oh my god isn't it though conceivably at the minute we can go uh, kind of I wish it would rain down yeah. into this <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I mean it's the one we like the best I think yeah I mean, I mean obviously you've got your Stevie Nicks favourite um, but you hate that I thought it was bad yeah, yeah so I mean I, I don't think that if we've got no consensus we can do it but especially not if it's a, a duff album like this I mean it's a duff album yeah so yeah I mean I would I would go with that I was if we needed a second mm. um, as I say for me it would be that first uh, that second Stevie song but the title track you could make a case for but I don't feel inclined to oh absolutely not no we we've made the decision that there has to be at least one yeah we don't have to do any more than that okay well if this gets this gets the weird Terminator track what's it called um, uh, in the back of my mind in the back of my mind but yeah thank you for joining us again through a, a, a rocky road through a car you know uh, I'm glad I listened to The Carpenters I know you're more glad than I am yep. you know I'm glad I've taken the time to listen to this Fleetwood Mac album because it makes me appreciate the other records all the more okay so Chris what have we got next week next week we have something that's going to be hopefully a little bit more fun than this one is Soul the Soul's second album nice nice I bought that when it came out I've still got my vinyl copy of it downstairs so. oh very nice right okay well yeah we we'll definitely want to know that one a lot more than this so We've got some history with it. When was, we? yeah, when was the last time you listened to it? Oh, God. Uh, many, many years to kill for the second album, yeah. Yeah, I listened to it not that long ago. We'll have a fun talk. Oh, God. Okay, well, that's next week. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.